Today's show is brought to you by Grammarly, an intelligent writing app. Download Grammarly's browser extension and create a free Grammarly account at www.getgrammarly.com. That's G-E-T-G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash holy backboard. All right, everybody. Welcome to the 97th edition of the Holy Backboard podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man. Sage chilling in Southern Oregon. I heard you've been you you you've been superstarring it today, bro. Two podcasts in in one day. It's so funny because right before we jumped on to record, Olga was like, "Damn, you're you're a wanted man. You're a busy busy guy. Like two podcasts." I was like, "Yeah, you know, um, when the Blazers aren't playing well, doesn't mean we still don't enjoy talking about them." <laughs> Absolutely not. Like shit, I even forgot the day Friday. My homie and I recorded for five hours, so now you, now you got the feeling of what it's like to do multiple podcasts in one day. It doesn't always feel the greatest, but I'm glad that you're here. It's been a few hours since you last recorded. You got time to compress so and talk about the Blazers for the Holy Backboard, your home podcast. Oh yeah, home team, definitely. Uh, Sage, I'm surprised you didn't kick off your podcast about talking about your, your 2K stardom. <laughs> yo all right <laughs> do you want me to break it down i feel like you just said it all right i hope to god this person doesn't listen i have a crew and it's michael gonzalez and my homeboy john money in 2015 i had i, I was part of a duo and he and this person and i played pretty damn well I didn't know how good I was at the game, and I made things easier for him to, you know, shoot a lot and play lesser defense because he has someone behind him cleaning up the messes. Three years pass, I don't play with him anymore, and he sent me this long emotional Facebook message saying how I've changed and I'm not the same 2K player I was and all that <laughs> Wait, he's he is he's comparing your two K almost like your personality. I don't dog like <laughs> the game's done changed, bruh. Two K fifteen was three generations ago, and he for circumstances I cannot really say on a podcast. He was not there for sixteen, and then my and seventeen. But the two people that were that I played with last night were. And he started saying some mean shit to one of my teammates that I, I just was not fucking with. So, I, I mean, yeah, he, he, he was saying, like, I could take this dude one-on-one. I'm like, you don't even get the chance to. This is, this is homie for life. I'm not, I'm not fucking putting him in any bad situation because you're jealous. But, yeah, my, my, my 2K, 2K drama was real the last few days, bro. Oh man, it's like you know they have the like the real housewives or the real husbands of like New York. They need to have like the the, the real crew of two K. <laughs> it's insane, Doc. It's insane. I I I sent you that message just because it was hilarious. It's like you're gonna attack me for hanging out with the crew that's been there for two years. Alright, word, 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 word. <laughs> but yeah, but oh also, also I've been me and Stu Pendis, one of our hardcore listeners, are doing this seven-minute workout challenge, and it's been two days. I've worked out two days straight. My legs are fucking killing me. Like, my legs and butt are sore right now. That means you're working those muscles. I'm proud of you. Uh, yeah, Stu's my guy since high school. I, I, I hoop with Stu. I love that he's a, a friend of the podcast, and... Uh, that's the reason I kind of give you all the 2K shit is because he mentioned to you that uh, it's so funny when uh, I called you out on every time I introduced you, you go into a 2K rant. So I had to set you up for that one. But Sage, let's get into uh, some Trailblazers basketball. Uh, unfortunately, Portland drops two more at home. It was uh, an 0-4 homestand 
and the first time Portland has lost four straight home games at home since 2013. And if you recall, that season was the one where they tanked and tried to get as many losses as possible, which ended up number 10. We picked up CJ. I think that worked out pretty well. That was towards the end of the season. This is, we're not even halfway through. I mean, we're not even into the the dog days. I mean, we're still, it's still new and fresh and we're, we're not getting most, it done. Most teams are still thinking, yeah, this, this this happened, but we still can make the playoffs somehow. There's still time for, you know, enjoyment. They're not, they're not sending each other shitty messages on Facebook Messenger talking about how bad they are. This is, this is when teams are supposed to feel all right. You know, Portland drops uh, a 106-92 contest to the Washington Wizards without John Wall and a 124-117 loss against the league-leading Houston Rockets. Let's uh, go into the Wizard game real quick because Bradley Beal had a career high. What was it? A 51-burger. He put up 51 on 21 of 37 field goals. It is not only the arena opponent record from Kobe Bryant, but the city opponent record who he uh, overtook Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So it was a performance of the ages. And Sage, he was asked, did you expect the double team? And he was like, yeah, I thought it was going to come, but vintage Terry Stotts, I'm too afraid of Mike Scott, Ian Mahimi, Kelly Oubre, Tim Frazier, Otto Porter, and Markeith Morris beating us that... I am going to let Bradley Beal go one-on-one. I mean, this. how many times does this have to happen, Sage, before we really start to see some change? I mean, we saw Giannis have a career night against us. Then then Bradley Beal. Um, there was another person that had a big night again. Oh, yeah, James Harden, the boogie. I mean, it, it just keeps happening. And... Early on in the season, the defensive numbers suggested it was a turnaround for Portland, but until Terry Stotts gets over his stubborn defensive strategy when it comes to double teaming, we will never be a good defensive team. I will take that all the way to the bank because when you play a seven-game playoff series, you're going to go up against some great players, and they are going to find ways to pick apart your defense and have big nights. Sooner or later, you're going to say, no, I'm not going to let MVP James Harden beat us. I'm going to make Trevor Ariza beat us. No, Bradley Beal, you're not going to have a career night. I know you're cooking right now, but you know I'm going to make Jody Meeks hit this jumper instead. Um, I think there's something to say for that because you know you know the saying you know fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, you know shame on me. Well, Stotts has been fooled multiple times this, this season. season, and but, but we talk about this shit last year, two years ago. Three years ago, we've talked about his stubbornness. If that is a pattern of being too prideful or too scared or whatever the reason is, it's a pattern of him doing this for years. So that shit doesn't surprise me anymore. When Bradley Beal put a 50 burger on our heads, I was like, he's just going to get me. I'm way more scared of Bradley Beal than Jan Mahimi. Or Tim Frazier. Tim Frazier is going to a backup point guard. Like, Bradley Beal could be an all-star this year. I'm more scared of the all-star than the role player. Can you believe Jan Mahimi, Jan Mahimi gets $16 million a year? Yes, because he probably got paid during that 2016 outburst when the salary cap went up. And you, me, your mom, uh, my mom, and maybe our aunts probably could have got paid too. Well, you know, it's crazy. Like... The the thought process was Jan Mahimi is supposed to be the the next center for Marcin Gortat. They're signed for the same amount of years. The Wizards could be a very good team if they didn't have Jan Mahimi's salary over their heads. But that this isn't a Wizards podcast. This is just me looking at like salary and shit beforehand. Do you want to know something extremely disheartening about that game? Maurice Harkless, Evan Turner, and Myers Leonard. They combine for, I think, $37 million. Guess how many points combined they have. So, Evan, Moe, and Myers? Yep. So, 30% of our salary? Maybe uh, more. I mean, no, I mean, that that quick math, that, that's 30% of our salary. I mean, I, I would I would expect, you know, that those players to be usable and pretty damn good. So, I'm going to get, like, 30 points? 
10 points each? No? No? Am try, I wrong? Try 8 points and 4 turnovers. We got 8 points and 4 turnovers from $37 million worth of salary. Um, CJ wasn't much better. And I know he's making 20 plus. He had 14 points on less than 15% shooting. 50% shooting, excuse me. Um, Dame had uh, a pretty decent night. You know, 30 points, 9 assists, 8 boards. And it's frustrating because it feels like our other players aren't playing up to the level of, of Lillard. And I I don't know what's going on with this team, Sage. I mean, they're losing games that I – you – bless you, you – you can kind of see the writing on the wall when you go down to Sacramento and, and lose a game on the road. You know, that happens. But for them to lose four straight games at home, I mean, after that that road trip where they were 4-1, and one, yes, it was the easiest road trip they'll see all year, but they are wins on the road and, and they're tough to come by. To see them lay an egg against the Milwaukee Bucks and get beat in the same fashion they did early on in the season, to see them lay an egg against the New Orleans Pelicans without Anthony Davis uh, to see them come out with no focus and committing 18 turnovers against a Wizards team that was just demolished against the Jazz the night before is disheartening. And then they give up a 14-point lead going into the fourth quarter against the Houston Rockets. Yes, I know Nurkic didn't play. Yes, I know Maurice Harkless didn't play. But Sage... I don't know if there's been more of a gut-punching loss this year than that Houston game. I was legitimately sad, and there's been a couple of times this year where I've been pretty sad after a game. This one felt like it could have turned the tide a bit for the season, that this was exactly what they needed going into this five-game road trip, and there are no moral victories, and I think losing like that hurts more than getting blown out. Oh, absolutely, just because it gets taken from you. You feel like you have this victory in hand and then all of a sudden it goes away i mean we were we, we were we were scared of the three-point shot when james harden was just getting easy 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 baskets easy lands here's here's my problem with that we found a success Nurk was out, and I think the team kind of rallied behind Myers, and Zach Collins actually showed a... My boo! He showed a lot that game. Ed was Ed, and Noah played fantastic defense on the perimeter. Sands that one time, James Harden dropped in, but James has got one of the tightest handles in the league, so it happens to the best of them. But looking at that fourth quarter, and there's a couple things I want to touch on, but first, while we're on the, the subject, we went small. We let Mike D'Antoni dictate how we're going to play just like we let Kenny Atkinson dictate how we wanted to play when the Brooklyn Nets beat us when we benched Nurk in the fourth quarter in Portland um, in November. We did not have Ed or Noah or Zach or Myers in the game during those crunch moments, and James Harden was getting any single look he wanted at the rim. Call me crazy. But I would rather let Ryan Anderson, Trevor Ariza, P.J. Tucker, Eric Gordon, uh, Luke Richard, and Bob Mute shoot threes than James Harden shoot uncontested layups. I mean, I mm. know that's a crazy thought, but what what do you think? I mean, it is what it is. I mean, like, I, I agree with you. I agree with you 100%, but our coach did. Like, no one was popping from three. Uh, Mba Mute, 0 of 1. Eric Gordon, 1 of 5. PJ Tucker, 1 of 2. <laughs> Ryan Anderson, 0 of 2. Trevor Rezet was 3 of 4. Um, and Chris Paul was 1, 1 for 4. So outside of Harden, who was 4 for 7, Harden was locked in. He had 48 points on 29 shots. He obviously was dialed in. Maybe the thought occurs to you to take the ball out of his hands. Like, I'm just getting so sick and tired of Terry Stotts just giving away games. And. Yes, the turnovers need to improve, and that's that's on the players and not on Stotts. But it's it's two sides of the court, offense and defense. And I just he is killing this team with his defensive strategies, Sage. And I feel like as we get into the meat of our schedule, when we start playing more elite teams, now don't forget Portland has played one of the easiest schedules in the NBA, so we haven't faced those uber superstars. And when we have, we've 
we've really struggled. I mean, we've already talked about Giannis, uh, Blake Griffin, who had a monster game, uh, I think the fourth or fifth game of the season, including that game winning three. Those guys have taken over games because we failed to double. And as we start playing teams like the Warriors and the Timberwolves and the Spurs, it's only going to happen again and again until we make them change. What what were there some good parts to that that Rockets game? Some positives you see? I thought there was a ton of po- it was the best game I thought we have played in in a long time. I mean, the, just looking the first at, three quarters were good. Just looking at the schedule and I'm looking at kind of the wins we had. It was the best game we played since November 13th against the Denver Nuggets. And I loved that we showed uh, a lot of fight. We showed a lot of intensity and that was the reason I picked that upset and I you know I'm still stand by that pick because I think had Dame not gotten hurt in the fourth quarter or third quarter excuse me we win that game I think had Terry Stotts played Zach Collins or Myers Leonard in the fourth quarter we win that game so speaking of Zach Collins yeah talk about my dude he looks more ready than I initially thought you know we talked last episode with Evan about should he just get minutes because he's the 10th pick? And, and I said no. But he is now showing that he's worthy of being on the court and can provide mm. a versatility on defense, um, the ability to catch and shoot from three. Nasty screens. Great screen setter. So, yes, now he is worthy of some time because it's evident to the players that, okay, this guy's out here and he's producing. He's just not getting development because he was some lottery pick taken by our general manager. No, he's actually being a a positive asset on the court and his block on James Harden showed that was one of the the, the better highlights of his rookie season so far, because that shows his potential on defense. And Mm. that's really impressive because he was on, he was at the foul line and he kind of had to take that angle away from Harden and use his reach to get that block and send it out of bounds. So I was really impressed. He had three blocks um, Mm -hmm. in 19 minutes. So that's nothing to take lightly. So I do like that the defensive potential that he shows and one, he's only going to get stronger and two, he didn't look like he had the deer in the headlights look at all. That, that is no, he he was ready. He was ready to play. Yeah. I mean, like, honestly, I still think the most like the, that screen where he laid him the fuck out, shows some toughness and some, I'm not, I want this win type shit. I want to, you know, make an impact. Yeah, I guess it was a moving screen, but like he he set some hard screens. And you said last podcast we need a dude in that second unit that will set some screens and let CJ go to work and give him a little bit of spacing. Like Zach showed that he is a good screen setter, which is so important with how ball do- uh, dominant our guards are and how they need that extra separation. So I'm really happy with Zach Collins, and I was really happy that he played some real meaningful minutes and produced well. And, you know, let's, and he, let's even get, if he didn't, I want to see it. Let's also give it, give it up for Myers. Like, he comes in, gets his first start of the year, and 20 minutes shoots 5 of 6 from the field, uh, 12 points, 4 boards, 2 assists, um was not just hanging around on the perimeter, was mixing it up inside, showing a nice, you know, diverse offensive spacing, which is key. I know it sounds kind of like a backhanded compliment, but it's not. Like, earlier in the season and last season, he would just stand on that perimeter and just wait for a pick-and-pop three. He was getting down there and being active on both ends, which I like to see. Um, Ed Davis was fantastic. Eight points, nine boards, you know, a block and a steal. Perfect four-for-four from the floor. And then, you know, Noah Vonley only gets 11 and a half minutes. We have too many bigs. And Nurkic didn't even play, neither did Swanigan. And you see the surplus of bigs, and then you see the production from the wings. And it is so clearly evident that that is the weakness of the Portland Trailblazers. And it is up to Neil O'Shea to find an upgrade at the wing or use the trade exception that we got from the Allen Crab trade to make something happen because it's sink or swim time for the Blazers as we start to talk about this upcoming road trip. So do you think that there's any chance that uh, we actually use that trade, that, that TPE? I'll be pretty pissed if we don't. I mean, 
it's a lot, a, a lot of money. It's a lot of money. And are you committed to winning? Are you committed to just spending a certain amount of money? Because to me, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And of course, it's not my money. I, I completely understand that that Paul Allen, he's the one funding the team and uh, it's his personal finance. But if you're already spending $100 million, like what's, you know, if it takes you into luxury tax, what's 20, 25 million more? And I know that kind of sounds ludicrous and asinine to say, but the dude is a billionaire with a B. Uh, so that's, it's, it's chump change to him. So, and I know he wants to win, but... Are we so afraid of luxury tax that we're not going to utilize this asset that we have? I mean, we know we can't we can't sign free agents, um, and we really have no trade ships outside of probably Ed Davis's expiring contract and CJ Mc, and CJ McCollum in the first. Um, so there's really not a way to upgrade your team via trade. So you have this way to to get better. Um, they're committed to Damon CJ. So it would be it would be very surprising if they didn't use it. However, nothing will surprise me anymore with this team. You know, they could beat the Warriors on Monday and then lose to the, the Charlotte Hornets later on in the week. I mean, it's just that type of year, that type of team, unfortunately, for for the Blazers. But Sage, I want to kind of shift the conversation. I did mention CJ as one of the trade chips and I was watching the game and we all saw Dame go out with that ankle injury at the end of the third. And I was kind of just like, oh, shit. He was carrying us. He was on fire from three. Yeah, he hit some crazy... He had a lot of threes that game. He, he set the tone, and his stroke looked really good from downtown. Uh, I was talking you know, to the TV. I was talking to Olga, and I was like, okay, this is CJ's time to shine. Mm-hmm. We're up 14 in the fourth quarter. He is leading that unit coming out in the court, and he, he didn't make it happen, Sage. He committed, I think, two or three consecutive turnovers, didn't even get good looks off. He was trying to dribble into traffic, wasn't making concise moves. Later on in the fourth quarter, he had that really quick uh, jump stop and step back. That was a great move because he didn't over dribble. And, and yeah, I, he didn't pound the rock. Didn't I've the noticed pavement. when he just pounds the ball and tries to do too much and shake his defender that it's, it's leading to either a blocked attempt at the rim or just a, a really difficult shot mm-hmm. what is you know and you look at the box score you're like oh 11 of 21 uh 28 points like that looks pretty good you're shooting over 50 percent, but again two of eight from three and but yeah, i mean like five number, turnovers you, you you know you those stats look good but like if you watch good. the game you would see that he struggled in the most important time i mean he made some bad decisions it could have been much worse like so i've thought this for a while CJ is having a bad year. I Absolutely. Care, I don't care what the, the, the statistics say. And CJ is my guy. He's one of my favorite players. I'm currently wearing a CJ McCollum jersey. Exactly. But I'm just trying to, you know, be objective. And from what I've seen, you know, there was the Clipper game where he missed two fourth quarter free throws, which opened the door for Blake Griffin to hit that three. There was the game in Utah when we were up six with three minutes to go. And he commits, I think, two or three fourth quarter turnovers. He's been really sloppy with the ball late in games. And outside of that outburst at Washington, where he did provide one of the, he was a huge part of this reason we came back and won that game. He hasn't been that same CJ. And why do you think that is? You know, he even mentioned like his mom was was calling him and saying, hey, your jumper looks a little flat. He he mentioned he was going to go back into the lab and see what was up, um, you know, study some film. But Overall this year, do you feel like he's put too much internal pressure on him? Because watching him play, he looks like he's trying to do just a little bit too mm. much. I think it. I think it's a. I. I it's weird. I. I would like to say he's just put too much pressure on himself, but like, he's making bad decisions with the ball and all in clutch moments of the game where he just pounds that pounds the ball. And I don't remember him doing it. And then all of a sudden he can't finish at the rim at all. It's like some real Tyreek Evans a few years ago percentage. It is not good. So I I don't know what's up. I I think he needs a little time to just like think what he can do to improve his game. Because us talking about, I mean, he has to, he has to make that change. I don't know what it is. It it might be a, 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 confluence of things i just don't know what it is it, it, 
I don't know. I do think it is not necessary to worry about CJ. I think he'll figure it out. Uh, but as a member of Portland's big three, th- I mean, this is a reason why we are sitting at 13 and 12. We are sixth in the Western Conference. We have a worse home record than on the road. We're seven and eight at home. And the the hardest part of our schedule is really picking up. So it is time to see some bigger performances out, out of Dame and CJ. You know, Dame put together a nice a nice homestand. He's starting starting to pick it up. But we need both. And that's that's why it was so disheartening to see this loss because they combined for 68 points. When you, you see that, you think you're gonna get the dubs. And that's just that that's why that loss was such a punch to the gut sage and you know nurk didn't play so that made the performance even more impressive but when i was on the trailcasters podcast earlier this afternoon uh their host brandon mentioned that use of nurkic by all by many advanced metrics is not a very efficient offensive player and it kind of got me thinking to realize what we've seen from, from nurk this year and it's been a lot of feast or famine we'll see We'll see him beast Jokic uh, of the Nuggets and then the next night get bullied by by Cousins and Gasol and be a complete non-factor. I, I definitely think Portland is a better team when he is on the floor, so I'm not going to pull any Patrick Ewing um, late 90s New York Knicks shit here. But, and for those of you who are too young to reference or just forgot, there was a big push in, in, the, in the Big Apple that said the Knicks were, were better without their franchise big man which was i think pretty erroneous but i digress sage i I know we discussed this off the record with with evan after last week's podcast but would you max out nurkic let's say another team offers him uh, he's a restricted free agent and they max him if you're neil olshay what do you do okay let's make it even more specific if another team maxes him, can we get the sign and trade? No, you can't do sign and trades with restricted, with restricted free agents. Really? Fuck. I don't believe so. No, because once Nurkic agree- signs that deal, it goes into effect. Like we have like seventy two hours to. Man, I always assumed that uh, there was a sign and trade. With the new CBA, they've made sign and trades a lot more difficult too. No, this is just a straight Charlotte Hornets, whoever. Gives Yusuf Nurkic a four-year maximum deal. Portland, you have 72 hours to match. Go. Because if the, if the, if there was such thing as a sign-and-trade, and I will look this up, I would let him go. If he agreed to a sign-and-trade, I would let him go. But I don't know if I can do it just for nothing. If if it's a sign and trade, we get a player back. But what I would want is the traded player exception. But I don't know if Neil would utilize it the way we would like. So I, I... it's tough, and I think it's a bit of an unfair question on my part because I don't even know the answer. I think we have to see how the season ends. You know, if we're sitting, if we're in the lottery. Or if we finish 500 again and we get waxed as the 7th or 8th seed, I think you have to really pull back if you're management and look at this team and say, where what, where are we? What are we doing? Where are we going? What's the direction? You know, what is the, what is the identity of the Portland Trailblazers? Because you have Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum locked up long term. You know, Nurk was supposed to be part of this big three. And, you know, I think it was a lot of unnecessary expectations placed upon the shoulders of Yusuf Nurkic. And I take full responsibility for being one of those participants because I said on this podcast um, during our Western Conference preview and really all throughout the summer that if Yusuf Nurkic was healthy, I think nobody can touch the Portland Trailblazers um, probably outside of the Golden State Warriors. I I thought we had a chance at being the two seed in the West. I even went as far as saying we're going to have home court advantage. We'll be the fourth seed in the Western Conference on our preview episode. And that was based upon the 20-game sample we got from Nurkic post-trade deadline. Now, after looking at his performance last season, what he's done now, I think what he did during those 20 games, he was playing above his head. He was playing with a huge chip on his shoulder and something to really prove. 
I do think that potential is there, and he is only 23 years old, so we may get that Nurkic a year or two down the road, so I don't think it's completely out of line to expect that type of performance later on. But right now, it may have been a little bit too much too soon. And I say that because he is still coming off of that leg injury. So he's, you know, still staying relatively healthy, you know, knock on wood. He did shed 35 pounds. So he's still learning uh, to play with that weight um, reduction. And he still makes a lot of those same mistakes we saw even during that 20 game stretch where he's turning the ball over. His, his back to the basket game is shaky at times and his, he's um, susceptible to getting, you know, his pocket picked. So with all that said, I think it's a decision that's beyond Nurkic. I think it goes with Neil O'Shea and if Terry Stotts is in that, that room or not, but Paul Allen, and they really look and say, what are we doing here? Because I think if you sign Nurkic, that means you're committed to CJ and Dame. I think if you either move Nurkic at the deadline, which I would hope they would figure it out. I don't, I, I don't want to lose him for nothing. I completely agree. But I don't also want it to be a Joe Johnson Atlanta Hawks situation where they're a meddling Eastern Conference team, never getting out of the first rounds, really never being a threat. And they say to themselves, well, we're not going to win anything with Joe Johnson, but oh man, we can't afford to let him go either. And now they were the same team they were a couple years afterwards, and they were strapped with his salary. We're already strapped with a lot of bad salary, so... It's, it's a really tough decision, but I think it, it's bigger than Nurk. I think it goes to Olshay and Mr. Allen, and they have to say, okay, are we destroying and rebuilding? Are we moving forward? Because if you say no to Nurkic, then I think you probably have to look at moving you know, a Lillard and a McCollum and completely starting the rebuild. Um, because without Nurkic and you just have Damon CJ, you're, you're a worse off team. And I don't think it's fair to put that type of team in front of Damon CJ. I think they deserve so much more and I want to see them win. So by all means, I'm not advocating trading McCollum or Lillard, but I'm just want you as, as Blazer fans to kind of think big picture of what we're seeing now. Like this is the third straight year. This team has came out of the gate slow. They're slumping mid, not even midway through the season. And they're, if, if, if they're going to make the playoffs, they're going to have to capture lightning in a bottle for the third straight year. And the question is, is it worth it? It's worth it, yes. In like 2016, if you worked your way up to the fifth seed and you had a competitive series against the Clippers and the Warriors, it's not worth it if you do it in 2017 when you get pasted by the Warriors in four. So I think this road trip that we're going to discuss pretty soon is going to be sink or swim moment for the Portland Trailblazers. I want to like I see I see parallels in what if we don't trade him in the death if we don't trade Nurk at the deadline I'm gonna see a lot of parallels between what New Orleans had to deal with uh, in regards to Drew Holiday with like we have to sign him we have to sign him no you don't have to sign him there are ways that Neil I mean Neil O'Shea can work the books to get a usable good center to replace him. So it is, we don't have to just resign him. There are many ways that we can use that salary cap that we're going to give Nurkic. So don't let whatever blog site, whatever TV station tell you that we have to resign Nurkic. No, we don't have to. There are ways that you can manipulate things. If sign and trade is an option, there's so much stuff you can potentially do with a trade play, traded player's exemption. With that extra salary. I there's so many things there are options afforded to the Blazers in the offseason in regards to Nurkic. Do you want to hear a funny story that happened to me a couple days ago at work? <laughs> So I'm sitting in a conference room with my uh, colleague, Ian. Ian is another huge Blazer fan in the office. And I have um, iMessage up on, on my on my Mac and a text comes up from my, from my buddy, Ryan. And it says, Memphis trades Yusuf or Memphis trades Marcus Gasol to Portland. Portland trades Yusuf Nurkic, Maurice Harkless, um, Zach Collins, and Ed Davis in a 2018 first. 
And I said, stop the meeting. Guys, Marcus Gasol is in Portland. Marcus Gasol is a trailblazer. The trailblazers traded for Marcus Gasol. My, my, my buddy Ian's like, what? What Did this just happen? Are you, are you serious? Like, like, what's the deal? And I start reading him the trade. He's like, are you sure? I just read something about that. And I'm like, wait, wait, what? So I had to look back and the prefect, the preface um, of of my, my friend Ryan's text was Bill Simmons' fake trade proposal. And I just was like, oops, sorry, false alarm, guys. Uh, back to the regularly, regularly scheduled uh, a meeting. So um, your boy's fandom runs deep where I am stopping a meeting to say something that probably only the two of us really cared about. But after looking at that trade, I mean, that's, that is a massive, massive overpay for a 32-year-old Marcus Gasol. <laughs> Yeah, but I would really like to see what Damon CJ could do with Marc Gasol, but it's a little bit too much. Like that, giving up Zach in the first, I don't know, but yeah, I agree. But I, you know, I thought it was a fun story to kind of lighten things up. You know, the the wins and losses haven't been uh, haven't been at the ratio we would have have liked Sage, but. Let's get into this road trip right after um, a quick commercial break from our wonderful sponsors. Grammarly's writing app finds and corrects hundreds of complex writing errors, so you don't have to. Copy and paste any English text into Grammarly's online text editor or install Grammarly's free browser extension for... And I've had problems expressing myself through writing a lot, so I'm excited to use Grammarly. To download Grammarly for free, go to getgrammarly.com slash holybackboard. That's getgrammarly.com g-e-t-g-r-a-m-m-a-r-l-y dot com slash holy backboard all right everybody welcome back to the holy backboard podcast dustin and sage here sage portland hits the road for i believe their third road trip of the year and i'm defining road trip by three or more consecutive road games you know we started out two and one to start the season uh four and one this past uh november december and now the toughest road trip of the year we're looking at monday at the defending champion warriors wednesday at miami friday at orlando saturday at charlotte monday at minnesota sage where to begin? I guess let's, you know, do kind of a little bit of a rapid fire. You know, what are we what are we watching out for? What's our X factor? X factor, excuse me, and a prediction. We've got five road games and you were correct. You said four and one road trip last time around. I said two and three. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where we come up with right now, because right now I don't know what I'm going to predict until, until we ju- talk about it. Until I don't we know talk yet. about it. But yeah. uh Let's dive into the Warriors. Uh, any injury news we should be looking out for? I think, uh, you know, the unanimous MVP of the league a few years ago happens to be out. And I, I Steph Curry, and that, uh, there's a question I want to ask you. Is Steph Curry the player that you would want to be out in this game to give the Blazers the best chance at winning? I think it's Kevin Durant followed extremely closely by Draymond Green. So, yeah, I don't know because you could you could say Steph because he has that five minute spurt where he can kill you, but Draymond establishes the defense. Kevin Durant's pretty fucking amazing. Clay Thompson's consistent and scores a lot consistently, but doesn't have that high spurts. But I. I I would probably go, you know, I'd probably go Draymond. Yeah. It's just either, because it's, of what he does defensively. It's either Kevin or Dre. Kevin Durant's the best player on that team. He's a better player than Steph Curry. We don't have anybody that can match up with a 6'10 forward who can put the ball on the floor and shoot from 30 feet out. And then Draymond Green, like you mentioned, he's the reigning defensive player of the year. He sets decent for their defense. Anytime he's out, that team struggles. He is their their glue guy. He is their engine. I would argue that he is their most valuable player, just like Nurkic mm. was our most valuable player probably last year. Doesn't mean he's the best, but he provides so much value to them. Mm-hmm. Um, Sage, just, Yusuf Nurkic is out. Maurice Harkless is going to be questionable. Do they have any shot? At all at beating the, the Golden State Warriors. Yet yeah, they have a shot. 
but I don't know how good of a shot, but like any given Sunday, right? Like Blazers have talent. They have players that can go absolutely nuclear like Dame did last night. So yes, there is a chance. But I am if I was a betting man, which obviously you've heard this fucking podcast, you've heard me talk about daily fantasy a lot, I would not bet that the Blazers win this game. It's not likely that they win they'll win, but there's a chance that there's an upset. As Lee Corso once said, it's gonna be closer than the experts think. I think if this game were played in Portland, actually no, we're we're terrible. We actually have a better chance on the road. We're god awful at home. This game is going to be close. Dame is from the Bay. He's clicking on all cylinders right now. Depending on how the ankle feels, I think he could put up 40. Unfortunately, he's just not getting enough help. I I do think it's going to be close. Golden State knows the regular season doesn't mean anything. They may take a slightly and may open the window up just a crack, but they just have so much talent. Uh, My X factor is going to be actually Pat Connaughton. Um, Dame, I've already touched on. I think he's going to have a big night, but... When Pat gets in the game, good things seem to happen. He moves without the basketball. He's a fantastic cutter. And I know the cliche for a white athlete in today's world is, you know, that they're gritty and they have a high IQ. But regardless of color, Pat has both of those attributes. And I think it really helps this team because we thrive when we have that ball movement, player movement, and, you know, rest in peace, Snapper Jones. Pat Connaughton... I think he could do some things, get us some easy buckets. The floor is going to be spread out a little bit more without Nurkic down there uh, in the paint. So it's going to be a different look for the Warriors. I know it's the first matchup between the two teams, but um, Nurk isn't there. And so there's not a lot of tape on us without Nurk, unless you want to go last year to the playoffs. Um, But again, Steph's out. So it's going to be an interesting matchup. I, I think the Warriors are going to win, but I think Portland if you're a Blazer fan, you're going to be proud of the effort that they put forth. And I think that's really all you can ask for, given all of the circumstances. Yeah, I, I don't think we'll be get punked out like we did uh, Game 4 last year. But I, I, I don't think we're going to win. So I, I think we'll be closer than Vegas projects, but I'm not giving the Blazers the win. Road trip continues Wednesday in Miami against the Heat, an arena the Trailblazers have traditionally played well in. Uh, They won last year. Sage, is there any injury news that we should keep an eye on for the Miami Heat? I one second, I will check. Uh, I know that the Heat play very slow and play very good defense. And they're in their house. Let me see if they're only any... five and six at home this year, though. Really? Let's see if Miami Hassan Whiteside has a, a sore left knee, and then Rodney McGruger has a leg, leg uh, stress fracture. So I'm guessing he won't be out. But Hassan may or may not be healthy. Uh, I know that they signed Bama at at a Bayou, and he yeah. True, thank you. Well, they did sign him. They had to sign him. Um, and he he's he looked all right in the few minutes I watched him. He had, like, good movement. But, like, that, that team is very slow-paced and plays for damn good defense. So, let's see. Huh. Are we going to assume that our guys are still hurt? So Nurk and uh, Hark. So that's going to put a lot of stress on our two guards to be good. I would say I want to see CJ McCollum take uh, take advantage of Dion Waiters. I think CJ is going to be the X factor that game. What about you? I think it's going to be Myers. Um, he's been playing some good basketball lately, and you know I'm I'm happy that he's taking advantage of this opportunity. I think whether it was an annoying topic to cover when Nurkic called out the fans for booing Myers Leonard, I think it gave Myers an internal confidence boost. And we all Mm. know Myers is a capable NBA player when he is confident in his abilities. Unfortunately, those um, 
swings between being confident and not kind of are, are very fluid. But right now he's playing confidently and he feels like he's got the support of his teammates. And that goes a long way. Whether it's Adebayu or Hassan Whiteside, it's going to be important that Myers drags them out of the paint and allows Dame and CJ to operate. Dame's going to have a big night. Um, I'm feeling really good, you know, knock on wood about Dame on this road trip because I just think feel like he's getting into the group. He always has good games in Miami. And I think Myers is going to be, he could come up with a couple clutch threes. I really like Myers in this game. I think Portland gets the victory over um, another 500 team in the Miami Heat. I say we lose. But uh, the next game versus Orlando, uh, Jonathan Isaac is hurt. Same with uh, Portland's own Terrence Ross. Evan Fournier has a sore ankle. I don't know how that's going to be a few days in the future and then Aaron Gordon has a concussion right now I mean talk about a team that has completely fallen off a cliff oh yeah they they've fallen off yeah they were they took a long walk off short glyph bro. third in the east uh to start the season they're now 11 and 17 they've three and seven in their last 10 and really a 500 team at home they might start thinking, ooh, we're getting pretty close to the Chicago Bolts for the worst record in the Eastern <laughs> Conference let's get into these uh uh, DeAndre Ayton, uh, Marvin Bagley sweepstakes. Portland traditionally, you know, we do play well in Miami. We do not play well in Orlando. Last season's come from behind victory, led by Shabazz Napier, mind you, against the Magic in Orlando was the first time Damian Lillard had ever won in, in that arena. I think they're going to make it two in a row, and I think it's going to be Shabazz Napier again. We saw that three-guard lineup with Shabazz, CJ, and Dame do wonders in a 99-94 victory over the Orlando Magic November 15th in Portland. I like that three-guard lineup to do its wonders again. I mean, this is a team we want to win. They probably are starting to already look ahead to the All-Star break. If Portland wants to continue to stay in the playoff race, these are games you have to win. Bottom feeder teams in the Eastern Conference you have to take advantage of. And I'm, I'm banking that the Blazers do that. I got them getting this win as well. So if we're assuming that uh, Ross is out, and uh, but are we assuming Fournier plays or not? Let's say Fournier plays. I, I just don't... I, I don't know how we can do that three-guard lineup when Jonathan Simmons and Fournier are playing. Because I think... I, but they both played in November 15th, and we still ran out that lineup. They had no answer for it. But I think Fournier was just done with that. That that team played so horribly. So what what's the difference November 15th and now if if they're they're done with it? I mean, that seems like a mentally unstable team. Why why wouldn't they just fold when we play them again? It could happen, but I just like the size. If they're if they're actually on their game, I don't think we could. I, I think we could take advantage of them, but they could totally take advantage of us with their the, the size on the wings because they do that. They, they got two players hurt on the wing, but they still have four more capable bodies. So I don't know if that will be the way that we attack them. But I, I mean, that's definitely a possibility. But I don't know. I, I just don't th- see Jonathan Simmons and Evan Fournier being a, be being able to like not take advantage of us like posting up or bullying Shabazz or any of our smaller guards. But the problem is none of them like to play in the paint. Last game, Jonathan Simmons, well, Sim- was, Simmons tried was, to No, he was taking reckless jumpers. They, they quit going into Vooch down low and that's when we made our run. So how are we going to defend Vooch? easy let Jonathan Simmons shoot all those reckless jumpers <laughs> I mean we Fair said enough. this age this is not a good Orlando team they've fallen off of a cliff they've forgotten how to win um if they don't dump it into Vooch that's it's not our fault but you could totally say that we we, we kind of forgot how to win as well I, I'm I, I think we'll win this game but I don't think it'll be an easier, easy game because they still have professional players. I'm not saying anything with this Blazer team is easy. I just said they get the dub. All right. Back to back in Charlotte, Sage. Um, 
Talk about a, a Jekyll and Hyde team. Eight and six at home, one and ten on the road. Overall, like Orlando, three and seven in their last ten, and just a pretty awful nine and sixteen record. Batum is, I think, facing the reality of missing quite a bit of time with that elbow injury, but he just hasn't been able to make that decision to rest. Um, Dwight Howard's had a few um, reminiscent of. 20 2009 so, games and- can I, can, can I i gotta talk about dwight when he plays 30 plus minutes he looks like 2009 dwight when it seems like the hornets their game script is to not play him heavy minutes but since cody zeller and frank kaminsky are both hurt they kind of have to and dwight when he gets that minutes they go for him a lot in the post. They throw oops like Kemba, Jeremy Lamb. They look for Dwight Howard. That could potentially be a problem if we don't have Nurkic back that game. Because they 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 uh, love giving him the ball in the post on rim runs. He he looks ta- in the games that I've seen, and I think I've seen like five Hornet games. He looks happy. I know. I, I bet you anything. If they had a chance to trade him, they would because of his attitude and all of that shit. But when he's playing 30 plus and producing it, he's going to be the stopping him is going to be the most important thing. (laughs) So on paper, Portland is the more talented team. It is a back to back and the Hornets do play better at home. My heart is saying a blazer victory my head is saying this is going to be i mean we've had some ugly content i think last year the hornets really gave it to us in in charlotte um i think they've done that on a couple of occasions in the terry stotts era so this one i I need you i need you to persuade me either way because i i'm not certain oh i'm 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 going blazers loss who's your x factor though is it dwight Dwight? i think dwight and then kemba's still that quick fast water bug quick guard that blazers historically have had problems defending so you said cody zeller and frank sminsky are out yeah yeah well i mean zeller uh hurt his knee and i think kaminsky had a semi-serious injury so it was kaminsky last year that that i remember him just bombs away from, from three because you went lost, I'm going to go win. And I think our front court is going to dominate theirs. And it doesn't matter. Frank might actually play. Zeller has a torn meniscus and Frank has a sore ankle. And, and it doesn't matter if Nurkic plays or not. I like what Ed Davis is giving us off the bench. I'm excited to see more Zach Collins. Noah Von Ley can guard any of their fours and even help out in trapping Kemba Walker. So if so, Terry Stotts wants to use that. And we also have Myers playing playing pretty well. Um, I like. Uh, I think it's going to go down to the wire. But if Dame can outperform Kemba, or Dame and CJ can out- outperform Kemba in either Jeremy Lamb or Malik Monk, I think Portland gets it done, and I think they they win three straight on the road as they they look to finish the road trip in Minnesota against a division rival, the Timberwolves, who look like they're starting to put a little bit of distance between uh the four seed and the rest of the west um they're 16 and 11 they're six and four in their last 10 and they are nine and four at home carl anthony towns andrew wiggins uh jeff teague jimmy butler taj gibson's taj producing gibson i mean they've got jamal crawford who is a certified blazer killer I don't care if he's having the worst season statistically. I don't know if he is not. He he could be 0 for 50 going into a Blazer game, and you know he's just, just going to light us up. This is going to be a tough game, closing the road trip out. This one will definitely need Nurkic to handle Carl Anthony Towns. Oh, absolutely. But um, is, this, is this a good or bad matchup for us? Because it seems like they have the big advantage at the wing. Um, yeah, the length. The length. Um, I don't like our chances in this one, Sage. So, have you? How many uh, Minnesota games have you seen this year? I saw the one where Andrew Wiggins hit that game-winning half-court. Oh, three. against the Thunder. So they beat the Thunder the first two times they played yeah, them, yeah, yeah. but they've also dropped some games that they shouldn't. Um, 
they're like the rest of the Western Conference in the way as they they could beat anybody and lose to anybody. They've been mm. a little inconsistent. Um, but they still have a lot of talent, and we're not playing peak Blazers basketball. Yeah, I mean, I think with the Warriors, wow, Wolves, it's their starting five. And I guess Crawford, because he's a Blazer killer, but like most of their production and most of their talent is with that starting five. And they play him really heavy minutes. Uh, Jimmy Butler really takes his time. He doesn't go all out like the Chicago Bulls. Jimmy Butler, he take he he picks his spots and then goes ape in the fourth quarter. But I mean, we gotta stop Carl Anthony Towns like that. That he he's so good offensively. I think points in the paint are going to be key as well. Stopping Towns, but forcing guys like Jeff Teague. Um, Butler and Wiggins to shoot from the perimeter. None of those players is a certified marksman from downtown. And if they have a hot night from three, you kind of just have to live with it because they are NBA players and they do have that capabilities, but it's just not their calling card. I would love to see Stotts kind of put a, just put kind of like a wall around that, that paint and make them beat us from the outside. Because I think that's our best chance at winning. Um, they ha- CJ has done a good job in the past on Andrew Wiggins. He's won that matchup before. Um, we're going to need Damon CJ to really carry us. Um, I think it'll be close. Portland, we played better on the road than we have at home. I don't know if it's a mentality or if it's just a tighter focus. But um, I'm going to give the edge to Minnesota because they're at home. Because this is the first time the two teams have played each other this year. And we're not playing the best right now. I know we would be coming in on a three-game winning streak in my scenario. But there's no way in my right mind I could go out and say we're going to win four out of five road games after losing four straight at home. I mean, it would be the most Blazers thing of all time to oh, do. Oh, absolutely. But I've got I've got us going three and two. Uh, do you have a win here, Sage, or a loss? I, I have a loss. So um, you think we're just going, you're going to go one and four? Yeah. Okay. So, scenario time. Portland comes back 0-5. Our next three games, four games, would be San Antonio at home, probably with Kawhi. Yep. Denver at home, at the Lakers, and against the 76ers, who dropped us by 20 this year. If we lose, we've already on a four-game losing streak. Let's say we lose those five. That's a nine-gamer. What happens if a losing streak gets into double figures? We saw what happened in, in, in Memphis. Um, do you think anything like that could happen here? Do you think it changes Portland's strategy moving forward? Do you think they try to just brush it off as an ebb and flow of an NBA season or, or what, you know, obviously this is just worst case scenario, but it's something that, that could happen. So I kind of want to get out in front of it. I, I don't think that the Blazers would fire Terry Stotts. I normally wouldn't want to fire a coach this deep into the season but since there is Fizdale there's always that that I, w- I would like it but I don't think we do anything like that I may- maybe we make a small trade I mean it- it's a potentially 10 game losing streak but I don't think we do something super drastic I just don't think it's in our nature but I totally can be proven wrong I mean being a fan of this team you can't you're not gonna be 100% on everything yeah, I think you're right. I don't think they do anything rash, although I do think the the seat gets a little bit warmer for Terry Stotts. I think Oh, excuse me. I, I think the the trade deadline becomes a lot more interesting. Mm. I mean, we still wouldn't be halfway through the season, so there is still enough time to to rebound and make a push. So, um just hope it doesn't happen. Nobody wants to see that type of losing streak. So, it it is important if the Blazers have a strong road trip because as we mentioned the schedule only gets harder and that's why we were so critical of the team to start the season when they weren't putting away the, the Sacramento's the Brooklyn's um the Utah's of the world and now it's put us in this position where we have no cushion mm-hmm. you know you look right now the Lakers of all teams we are only three games ahead of them in the loss column for the tenth, there's no tenth seed, but the tenth seed and the Western Conference, you know, the Thunder are going to make a push. Rudy mm. Gobert is back and healthy for the Utah Jazz. So the playoffs, where we once thought were a given, 
I it ain't I that no more. Dad. It is not that no more. We kind of blew our opportunity to start the season, so um, it's gonna be up to the Trailblazers to to make it happen. And how are we? Uh, we're sixth place right now. Is that and this is recording on a Sunday night? Is that just because we have the tiebreaker versus Utah? Because. No, Utah's, oh, Utah's 13 and 14. We're 13 oh, I, and 12. So we have a 520 win percentage. They only have 481. I, I mean, I, I just, I don't see Utah being, I, I think Utah's making it. Man, the Blazers have to stay on their P's and Q's or a 10 gamer and how jumbled up five through ten. nine is? Nine and 10. Yeah, man, like. Even Gotta 11. Yeah. The Clippers have 15 losses, too. And, and if they get their guys healthy back, you know, they're going to make a run. Um, it, it's it's going to be who's going to play consistent basketball. Who's going to beat the teams they should beat? Right now, Portland's not doing that. Um, you know, I think we pretty much went into everything that's happened throughout Rip City. Sage, any final thoughts, my dude? Support Evan M. He's got those prints out. Support the homie. He was all, he was gracious enough to give us out give us a print and then do that cool deal where if you type in HB Pod, you get five dollars off his print. Support him. I mean, he's one of the most original Portland artists and like just a solid person. So support support him and support dope art and maybe he'll be incentivized to do more cool shit. Maybe have that Mo Lucas, Bill Walton print. Maybe have the starting five plus Cliffy. So support them. And uh, yeah, that know, code doesn't last long. Um, it's still up as of right now, but it's HB Pod, HB Pod, all caps at checkout when you go to EvanM.com. He's got Rashid, Dame, CJ, and Nurk in the prints. Take five dollars off, courtesy of your friends at Holy Backboard. And Sage, speaking of our lovely podcast, all of our listeners out there, you can subscribe to us on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, on Google Play, on iTunes, at Holy Backboard PDX. If you want to follow us on social, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and the Gram, at Holy Backboard. Sage, it has been another fantastic episode, and we are nearing that 100th episode, which is mind-boggling and amazing at the same time, so... Listeners, if you're out there and you have any ideas or anything you want to see us talk for, because it's going to be a special episode, send us a comment, shoot us a text. Um, We are all ears.
Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go!